G'day everybody and welcome to the Drive Able podcast where we discuss all things about driving and safer community transport for people with disabilities and medical conditions. Um, in this episode, we're going to talk about Kwa, who we spoke to in our last episode. He's a double lower limb amputee who got his uh, driving license back without any driving aids. Uh, he uses his bionic knee to assist him to control the pedals. The other thing is, he's just an awesome guy and very engaging. So if you haven't done so yet, make sure you go back and listen to the last episode. Thanks, Brad. Yep, this is episode three, and we're in this episode, as Brad said, we're going to talk a little bit more about the technical side uh, of where the way quad drives and some of the alternatives are out there if you don't have a bionic knee. Um, we're just going to kind of give it a bit of a breakdown, technical breakdown as to what we saw and what we thought about it and help the community kind of understand a little bit more. So let's get into it, Brad. Are you ready for this? Yeah, mate, let's do it. Let's do it. Driving is something many take for granted, but when someone has altered ability, then driving or getting out and about in your own car can be challenging. Driving with a disability doesn't mean you have to drive an old clapped out car with farm-like machinery, and relying on a wheelchair doesn't mean waiting for hours and then being in the back of a maxi-access cab getting car sick. The Drivable podcast is designed to introduce and explore driving aids for people with disabilities vehicle modifications, the NDIS, research, medical guidelines, driving techniques, and much, much more. The Drivable podcast is to help you be informed and be in control of your own independence so you can experience freedom through driving safely and reliably. I'm Ali, and with me is Brad, and together we have over 30 years of experience in disability and driving. Enough of the intros, let's get into it. Okay, in this episode, we're talking about our last episode and reflecting on Kwa's story. If you have done so already, we really encourage you to go back and have a listen. Um, as a quick recap, uh, we've, I've actually met Kwa a couple of times before this. He's a great guy. He lost his legs in a car accident after a night partying, um, and he kind of didn't let that stand in his way. He's a kind of a go-getter guy. He's a gym owner, inspirational speaker now. He's just good at written a book, Legless to Legless, which we spoke about last um, last time and and basically the the most impressive thing about him was his story about getting back into driving like he was so passionate about driving and and being a bit of a hoon and he said kind of maybe that's how he got into that position um sort of being in that scene but he didn't want to get away from it and um and the story about just getting into the car and doing it without modifications and a few you know bits and pieces to make his um driving easier it's just awesome so um so yeah it's, it'd be great to Highly recommend again for you guys to go back and listen and um, yeah, talk about sort of the technical side of things. So um, I'll pass it over to Brad and uh, we'll talk about driving with prosthetics. Yeah, so what we're going to do for everybody with these episodes is we're, we're going to interview somebody and then we're going to break it down in the, in the next episode and talk about the pros and cons and a bit more of the technical side so you can learn. It's not just going to be an interview process about um, what somebody's doing and the emotional side of it all, but we're going to get into the nitty-gritties of what does that actually mean for somebody else so you can learn from this. Um, so these episodes are for OTs, for um, clients that maybe are in a similar situation to Qua in this example, but also the modifiers, the technicians that install bits and pieces. Uh, this podcast is for everybody that's involved in assisting this person uh, with a disability. So the first thing we're going to talk about is actually driving with a prosthetic and, and what that actually means. So 
as the, as an OT, I've worked with clients, many clients with um, prosthetics. And the first question that we get is, can you drive with a prosthetic? And that's what we're going to really unpack today. And what does, I mean, the answer is yes, because we've had Qua come on and he's shown that you can actually do it. But there's a real belief that you just can't do it because it's not your natural leg. Uh, so we're going to really dig into that today. And what are the rules? What are, what are the alternatives if you can't as well? Um, and what are the risks? Because it is, it's not your natural limb. And we're going to talk about what those risks are as well. So one of the big things to start off with is what does it, what does it actually mean to drive with your um, prosthetic? Um, and there's a couple of things that we really should point out to start off with is that with a prosthetic, whether it's above knee or below knee, you don't have ankle movement. And I think we need to really discuss what that looks like to start off with. Ankle movement is something that most driver, drivers use. So they, they press with, an, with their ankle joint, pressing the pedals down with the ball of their foot. And most drivers drive with their heel touching the floor of the car. Now, with some four-wheel drives, the pedals are up really high. Um, and sometimes people with smaller feet, some ladies that I've seen and done some uh, ergonomic assessments with, they actually can't reach the pedal um, and touch their heel on the floor of the car. And that's another story that we'll talk about in another day. But most people tend to rest their heel on the floor of the car and press with the ball of their foot, um, extending and flexing their ankle joint. And then either they lift their foot off the pedal, move it over to the brake and do the same action again, or a bit like a windscreen wiper, they rotate their heel on the ground and they rotate from pedal to pedal. That's a standard driving procedure for somebody that's actually got a functional right leg. Um, I'll just touch on it really quickly. We shouldn't be driving with our left foot on the brake. That is, we can discuss that in another episode. We really shouldn't be doing that unless we're being assessed. It shouldn't be a standard practice. That's especially in South Australia. I don't know if you know the rules in uh, New South Wales, Ellie. Yeah, it's, it's the same. They, you're, I, I don't quote me on it. I actually think it's technically not legal um, to drive that way. Uh, and yeah, I was just thinking, I got into a car with someone who was driving like that and um, it actually kind of freaked me out. It was really weird. Um, and, and what they were telling me was they, they were a race car driver and that's actually apparently how you're trained as a race car driver. Is, um, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, go-karting through to driving uh, on racetracks, absolutely. You, you learn to do that. But on a racetrack, there's runoffs, there's sand pits, there's big grassed areas and things like that. Um, and you don't get told off if you're driving with your brake lights on. Um, yeah. You know, I, I live in the hills here and uh, you've got people driving up the hills with their brake lights on, accelerating away from you with their <laughs> brake lights on. So it causes confusion. It causes issues on the road. Uh, and it really shouldn't be done unless you actually need to do it. Um, and then you actually can, but you need to prove that actually in a, in a driving test situation. Yeah. Um, so, so if we've got somebody with an amputation um, and it, whether it's below knee or above knee, then you take away that ankle movement. And that's the first thing we need to talk about is that ankle movement is taken away. 
The next thing that we need to talk about with Qua is that he's got an above knee amputation on the right hand side. So um, he's got the osteo integration through his thigh and his knee joint is bionic. It's the electronic knee joint. So it's got sensors in the heel. It's got sensors in the knee joint. And what happens is when he puts pressure down on the heel, the knee activates and it actually goes through a walking motion. For driving with his prosthetic, it has to be locked. So he spoke about that. Do you remember what he said there, Ali? Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. He's got a um, – I've actually seen him use it as well at our conference. He's, he's got a, he just a click it. It's awesome. He clicks it on his phone and just puts it on driving mode and then it just um, programs the thing to, to respond in the way that's required for driving. Yeah, so he's got a couple of settings, he said last week, didn't he? He said that he's got a 52 or 46. I can't remember what the actual numbers was, but that's the degree of angle that he can set in his knee, depending on what type of car he's in, whether he's in his little A3 and sits really low or whether he gets into a four-wheel drive or the van that's kind of behind you. Um, he can um, set his knee to be the right angle for the pedal. Yeah. But he can't use that knee joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's actually one thing which I, um, I thought I'd quickly interject on, which we sort of briefly spoke about before we started is, um, you know, a lot of people have diff differing views about this stuff. Um, and particularly within, like we face it as well, and I'm sure you do as well, uh, in the therapist industry as well, in the health industry. Um, things such as like, oh, well, you can't feel it or you don't have full movement or this doesn't replace the full sort of function of a human being. Um, and and the, the reality is, is that the technology has so rapidly changed and so rapidly improved that, um, you know, I dare say that maybe some of these bionic knees might actually behave a lot better than, um, than standard knees. Um, and yeah, because they're, all and all that and they're, and they're predictable and they're robotic. And, and so... So again, people listening to this, I would encourage keeping a very open mind because, um, yeah, these things are the, the technology. And this is one of the reasons why Brad and I actually get along so well is um, we keep that open mind and look at the, this technology. And, and yeah, it doesn't, it may not be a traditional knee, but it's programmed to function just the same way, you know, if not better um, and, and much more reliably and consistently every single time. So so, um, so, yeah, if we look at it from that angle, um, you've still got full function and you've still got full movement, you know, um, just not the traditional way, you know. And I think maybe some people might have maybe an old school view or they've never seen these products in action and it makes them a bit nervous, which is understandable. But, um, but yeah, I just thought I'd sort of point that point out. Yeah, and we need to also point out that the technology is always evolving. So we always have to keep that open mind. The, he uses the Autobot Genium um, 3, I think it is. Um, now, I'm not in prosthetics. I'm not, um, I don't prescribe these type of things. So I have to try and keep up to date with these uh, bits of technology that come through. And I rely on the prosthetist and the client to tell me the, um, the functions of their, of their lower limb if they're coming in with a prosthetic. Some people have um, a, a slightly flexible ankle and they can actually put pressure down through their hip and through their knee and the ankle does flex a little bit for that finer control. Um, but for others, um, it's a rock solid ankle joint because that gives them more stability as they're walking and rolling over the, over the heel of the prosthetic. 
Um, other people like a little bit of flex in there because they've advanced to that ability to, to use uh, the technology as carbon fibre or whatever it might be to be able to get a little bit of flex in that ankle joint. And that's what Quar's got as well. He's got electronics in there when he's walking. The issue is with the Autobot Genium um, from the times that I've seen it in a car is that you can't use that technology in the car because um, when you put pressure down on the heel, it actually wants to straighten um, and bend the knee uh, depending on how much pressure's on there. And that's too hard to control. So it all gets locked when he goes into driving mode. So basically he's driving with an absolute stiff leg from the hip joint down. So for him, he actually has to use all of his hip action and rotating his spine and then pushing his hip forward by using his bum cheeks on the car seat. And he has to use a lot of abdominal muscles, back muscles, but those those glutes in his bum cheeks to actually rotate his hips. And I, I don't know if you're sitting on your office chair now, try to rotate your right leg forward uh, or wherever you are listening to this podcast, wherever you're sitting down, maybe if you're at the gym listening to this on the treadmill, it might be a bit harder. But if you're on the, on the bike, you might be able to try it. Try twisting your hips uh, without using your hands, without using your feet on the ground. It's a bit of work. It's a bit of work, yeah. And that's the type of things that the OTs will go into and why, why these things need to be assessed. It's not just, oh, we'll use the prosthetic. It's about understanding what compensatory movements do we need to actually do. And there's quite a lot that goes into these assessments, um, whether it's an OT or whether it's um, working with your process, prof, oh, it's the hardest word to say for me, um, your prosthetics guy or lady um, to be able to get those movements right. And sometimes, like Kwa said, he wasn't ready in the early stages. He, he actually had to get used to being on his leg and, and have the strength in his hip to be able to move the weight of the leg forward and around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting, but it's like, I mean, we see all these stories all the time, how the body adapts and, and strengthens in certain areas. And, um, and yeah, they, before you know it, they're used to it and, and moving forward. So it's, it's pretty good. One of the big questions that we get all the time with prosthetics is you can't feel through the bottom of your foot. You can't feel through the bottom of your foot because it's electronic, it's plastic, it's, it's everything else that's in there. Um, so you're not getting the sensation through the bottom of your feet. And uh, Ali, uh, you and I have discussed, well, what happens with people with diabetes? Isn't it the same type of thing for people with um, peripheral neuropathy? Uh, another word I don't, I struggle to say, but um, you know, what is it the same type of thing? And we discussed earlier, and you might want to touch on this as well, is that Qua's um, disability is very, uh, visually obvious yeah you can see yeah. that that's not his limb he yeah, doesn't yeah, wear yeah. pants he doesn't he wears shorts all the time and, sh- and shows off the electronics in his leg uh he said that in the last episode um but some people you, you can't see that they can't they don't have feeling in their feet yeah yeah well that that's yeah like what i mentioned before we started was you if you're i guess able-bodied um, and you don't require a, an assessment or an OT or anything to sign off for the license, um, then you can walk in there with completely numb feet and no one would have an, any clue, you know. Um, and and so, so I guess I challenge that feedback that therapists 
say, um, like or may may mention, is that yes, that might be the case, but do you want to assess them for the full control of the vehicle or for you know whether they have feeling on their feet? What we want to do is assess to see that yes, with this thing that they don't have, this function they don't have, are they making up for it in other ways? Um, and because humans are very adaptable and we're very much able to do that. And so if they don't have that, then um, what else is happening? And do they still demonstrate full control of the vehicle and full ability to operate the vehicle? And if they do, then um, then it's just like any other driver that demonstrates, hey, well, we can use the vehicle and we've still got our license and away we go. I'll give you another example of that. Um, platform shoes, the, the big high sneakers that oh, yeah. um, have been worn in, uh, I don't know. I came out of the '90s and, and then into the 2000s, and there was a there was an era of going back to the platform shoes from the '70s there for a little while. But even these rocking, rolling sneakers to help build up calf muscles and all those type of things, you can still drive in those shoes, um, yeah. and that increases the depth of of your feeling. You, you, the feeling through the bottom of your foot might still be there, but you're adding this big, thick layer to the bottom of your foot. Um, and people don't really question that, whether it's safe to drive with those type of things. And I, I actually am of the same opinion that it probably doesn't affect the way that you can drive if you get used to it over time, because you've got these compensatory methods in your body to be able to compensate for that. So it's not just the sensation in your foot and choir and, and other drivers that use their prosthetics they prove this all the time. They've got sensations in the end of their stump. They've got sensations in their other joints, like their hips. Um, if you did that um, trial just then of trying to pivot your hips to be able to press your right leg forward, you can feel your bottom against the chair. Yeah. You can feel that friction in the bottom of your pants or whatever you're, that you're sitting on um, against the bottom of your thigh. You can feel it against the back of the of your chair. And all of those sensations are your compensatory sensations to be able to help you do that. He's also got the ability to hold the steering wheel and actually use his shoulders to be able to press the brake forward and get more pressure down through pedals. So it's not just the thing that comes to mind. That first thing that comes to mind, oh, he's got no sensation in the bottom of his foot. How's he going to be able to drive? Well, the body, like we've said, is amazing. The brain is fantastic. It learns to compensate in different ways. And we've got to explore those uh, if we're doing our job properly as either OTs, um, vehicle assessors, modifiers, all of those type of things. We all need to be aware that the brain is amazing, the body is amazing, and it can compensate in different ways yeah and actually um i guess which might be a, a little bit of a segue onto the next section um one of the things i would suggest which i know you're really good at is you need to be also coupling it with driving instruction and lessons and oh, one of the things one of the things which i know in new south wales is fairly weak um is the rules around that so like if i'm if I'm a, um, like if I'm qua, for example, and I go have to get a special condition on my license, um, it's, it's pretty relaxed and, and loose and there's a bit of kind of fear around political correctness and things like that. So, so he can just pretty much go there with a couple of doctor's certificates and things like that and a few bits of piece of paper, tick a few boxes and he'll get his license with a condition on it to say that, you know, he either is driving with prosthetics or hand controls or whatever. But the, the, the downside to that and the, and the big gap there is that, okay, he's got his license, but he doesn't actually really have the practice 
um, to be able to operate those bits and pieces. And, and as you said, like you, you, you're compensating, but it does take, you know, well, I don't know how many lessons, but it's going to take at least three to five or if not more to actually start that compensationary action, kicking it in, you know what I mean? And, um, and so, so yeah, that's what's really, really important as well. And it's not just rocking up, doing an assessment and looking at them and ticking a box and going, okay, well, hi, this doesn't work and you don't have the feelings. It's, it's a kind of a progression, you know, um, and, and, a, and a desire to push your body in that direction and, and compensate wherever you need to. Yeah, Quart spoke about the, um, that he had a really open-minded OT um, it wasn't us, by the way, he's in New South Wales, but he had a really open-minded OT that actually allowed him the opportunity to explore. He was heading down the, the road of hand controls, which is the first default type of scenario is, um, oh, you, you've, you've lost your lower limbs, we need hand controls. A default type of reaction, um, legs don't work, let's use your arms. But he had an open OT that was looking to explore why, uh, you know, what it's going to be like to drive with his um, prosthetic and gave him the opportunity to explore that and, and what that would look like. And then he was, um, went through a training program to build confidence. It's not, it's not always training. It's more allowing habits to form, allowing new movements to form in the brain so they are habits so they're so they're automatic um because previously it would have been an automatic ankle movement for him and a bit of knee movement and a rotation of the hip now it's a rotation press push forward all through the hip and the lower back and that has to be automatic um and a lot of the time when we do lessons with somebody we want them to be engaged in conversation we want them to be able to drive through um the city where they are engaged in other things, taking their mind off of things, and they're driving naturally in a natural, calm, collect type of way, and they're not 100% concentrating on their leg. If they're still concentrating on their leg, then they're not maybe ready to, to go it alone at this stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the other thing I wanted to mention, actually, just to interject about this OT, he was lucky that he had that, the, the therapist that was actually open-minded. But the thing which I wanted to point out, I guess, as an encouragement for the, the clients and the end users out there, um, if you recall from his story, he's the one that kind of brought the idea. Yeah. Um, he went and did the research. He kind of went out there and found this, this idea and this groundbreaking kind of new stuff that's happening. And he was, he was lucky that his, his therapist was open to it and didn't kind of write it off. Um, and this is, I guess, one of the stories that we are seeing more and more in the industry is um, uh, like, I guess what can happen is the, the client might rock up to a therapist, particularly with this NDIS um, sort of scenario and infrastructure or ecosystem, um, because NDIS tells them, look, you have to go to a therapist or you have to go to an, a health professional to get an assessment, right? So they'll go there first and it's like they're going there for the shopping of the product rather than um, for the assessment of their, of their body. And, and it's, it, you've got to kind of understand that that person is there to assess your body, not actually, they can help you shop the product, but it's actually your, you need to be out there looking for that product that you think suits you. And then you take that to the therapist and say, hey, do you reckon this will work? And then you have it backwards and forwards. And, and it's important for that so people understand that they can go out there and they should be out there pushing to see what they think will work for their desires. 
Yeah, and it's not just one trial. I mean, quite often people do one trial and it's the right product for them and that's fine. But quite often they um, get pigeonholed into what's available in the driving instructor's car. So uh, Kwa would have tested out one style of hand control and that's where he may have ended up with that hand control that he trialled in that car if the OT wasn't ready to explore different options for him. So um, kudos to the, the OT that did it. We're not sure who that is, but um, yeah, uh, did a did an amazing job. The other thing that we need to look at with all of this is what are the actual rules and regulations? And in Australia, we've got the Ostroads medical guidelines that we have to adhere to. They've just been, or they're just going through a review process now. So there'll be a new um, um, version of that coming out uh, soon. We don't know when the date of that is, but it's uh, it will be soon. And if other, this is publicly available. So clients listening to this or even modifiers ot should definitely be aware of it but doctors as well um ostroads.com.au and then assessing medical fitness to guidelines you can go and look at it um and you as you know the consumer is being educated all the time thanks to the internet and it's but they need to be educated with the right stuff and one of the best things if you're going to be able to drive is going to have a look at this medical guidelines for this one, for Kwa, he would have had to go look at the musculoskeletal area because that's the, the bit that's happened to him. His, his, his uh, muscles and uh, skeleton have been affected and he would have to go and look at the um, musculoskeletal disorders area, even though it's not a disorder, it's an amputation, it's an acute event. Um, he would need to go and look at that one. And just, I've got it open here next to me. Um, the, the actual rules and regulations say that a person is not fit to hold an unconditional license if the driver's ability to perform a required activity uh, is inadequate. So Kwa is actually not fit to hold an unconditional license. For him, the condition on his license is that he has to wear his prosthetic. Yeah. And they, and to get a conditional license, it says that it must be subject to periodic, periodic review, uh, the nature of the driving task, information provided by the treating doctor on the benefit, treatments, prosthetics, uh, and other devices. A practical driver assessment is required and any modifications to the vehicle. So that's the process that had to be taken into account for Kwa to be able to get a conditional license. And the condition for him is that he has to wear his prosthetic. If he's not wearing his prosthetic, he can't drive. So if he's got issues with his leg, so if you use a stump um, socket type of um, prosthetic, then you can get things like ingrown hairs, you can get bone spurs, you can get all kinds of things which Kwa actually talked about with his osteointegration and why he doesn't do that. Um, but if you can't wear your prosthetic, you can't drive. Yeah. Yeah. That Ostroads guideline is typically then picked up by like the state authorities and then they kind of adapt it into their rules. So that's kind of like the framework and, and in New South Wales, as I mentioned to you before it started, the rules here, I mean, what, before I start going on about that, it's very, very important that, um, with this, this, sort of assisted driving or, or adjusted driving or whatever you want to call it is, is basically um, you need to make sure you consult your local authorities 
Um, road authorities, transport authorities, main roads, whatever department it is, to make sure that you comply with their requirements. Each, as, as Brad said, there is an Austroads guideline. That that's the way that this, the government works here is that's not actually regulation. The states have to then adopt that into their regulation. And typically what they do is they, um, they kind of add their own flavour to it and they kind of tweak a little bit. I mean, if you follow that guideline, you are going to 90% be right, um, but you sometimes might find a little thing here or there might be slightly different. Like, for example, um, uh, Brad was saying something about uh, in South Australia you have to have an uh, assessment um, yeah, practical driving assessment at the end. Yep, with the, yeah, with the actual over in New South Wales, you don't. You just have to have a certificate to say that this person needs this, and you just take it to the, your um, local authority, and and they will make the decision on the spot whether or not they um, will will refer you to a test. However, because of as I said, sort of the way the world is, and political correctness, and people having a bit of fear around that. Um, the number of people that get recommended to go to do a, a, an assessment here in New South Wales is almost zero because people don't want to kind of tell someone, hey, I think you need to do an assessment. So, so yeah, like you can see that the system is just a bit different. Um, and so you just need to understand that you need to make sure you comply with those local regulations as well. Just while we're talking about prosthetics and driving, we get this question all the time. I've had my left leg amputated. Can I still drive an automatic? Do I need to have any rules and regulations set on my license to be able to drive an automatic with my right leg, which is which is normal, uh, you know, not affected? So um, in South Australia, you would be restricted to driving an automatic unless you've had a practical test to show that you can use that prosthetic appropriately on the clutch. Now, the what level of assessment that that's up to interpretation. Um, and that's, that's where the grey area comes into it and the difference between New South Wales and, like, is it a doctor's assessment or is it a Department of Transport assessment or is it a, an OT assessment? These things are up for interpretation. It says there, uh, practical driving assessment, if required in the medical guidelines, if required is, is the yeah. grey bit uh, and makes it really hard for people to interpret in South, in South Australia, they've become a fairly firm on it. If you actually are using any adaptive device, whether it's on the person or on the car that impacts on steering or pedal control specifically, uh, then you need to have a Department of Transport test. So that's, that's how it is in South Australia. And I, and I can't make comment on other states. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, it's just important that you, you consult your local states. They've all got different kind of little quirks. Um, you know, based on whatever the, the what's going on. So, um, so yeah. But I think I think actually we were sort of close to the end there. We kind of looks like we've yeah. covered most of the stuff. All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for joining us and listening in. A huge thank you to Qua for the last episode. Just a reminder, you can go and buy his book, Legless to Legless. I'd encourage you to do that. He's a great guy. Go and visit his website. You can find the book there. You can find how, um, his contact details there if, you, if you'd like to engage him as an inspirational speaker. That um, website is Qua, spelled Qua Nam Tram. So it's spelled K-H-O-A-N. A-M-T-R-A-N.com. We'll put the link in the... Um, in the show notes for this as well. So you can um, press the button and go straight there. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. All right. And as we say in every episode, if you have any queries about what you can do, uh, what will work for you, get in contact with your local OT or mobility dealer and set yourself up with a trial. Uh, that's made the biggest message we want to really push across is that uh, trials really do put you in that driver's seat. So get out there and start trialing products, multiple trials. Don't be afraid to do it. Don't be afraid to ask um, and keep trialing until you get the right product. Yeah, we learned that in this episode, didn't we, about choir, about pushing and, and trialing hand controls and then trialing his legs. So, yeah, get out there and try stuff, people. All right, see you next time. All right, thanks, Ellie. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Drivable Podcast with Brad Williams and Ali Akbarian. Make sure you check out the Facebook page and socials. If you like what you have heard, make sure you like, rate, and subscribe. It makes a massive difference. If you or anyone you know would like to share your story about driving with a disability, make sure you reach out to us through the socials. Just search for us. For more information and the resources mentioned in this episode, then go to the Drivable Podcast on Facebook and tune into the next episode. See you next time.